Welcome to episode two, Breathe Better and Live Longer with Sienna Smith. Today's topic is on increasing longevity. I really don't know anybody out there who isn't interested in living a long, healthy life. I'm a mother of two teens, and I realize now how much I want to stay healthy and live long enough to see my grandchildren someday. According to the World Health Organization, the leading causes of death include number one and two, heart disease and cancer. Number three is accidents, and number four is chronic lower respiratory diseases. So that's what we're talking about. Respiratory diseases that have to do with the lungs and improper breathing is really at the root of this. Proper breathing includes using your diaphragm and breathing through the nose. And when we do this, we are able to really support our health on so many levels. Today, I'm going to share with you about the top three markers of longevity. So welcome to the show. This is the Breathe Better podcast, and I'm your host, Sienna Smith. I'm a scientist and a yogi, and I blend the best of both worlds because they're so rich and profound. I've been teaching breath and yoga for 20 years, and I've guided thousands of students and trained hundreds of teachers in breath and yoga. And I use my biology degree to sift through the research and the science so you don't have to. And my goal is really to bring you the most practical, effective, and science-based breath practices out there. So thank you for listening, and I wholeheartedly welcome you to the show. I am super glad you're here and breathing with me, and together we're going to thrive through this thing called life. What are the top three markers for how long we will live? One of them, and a key one, is breathing volume or lung capacity, which is the one we're going to focus on today. The other two have to do with heart rate and also a marker of cognitive function, which is reaction time. Breathing volume is a function of lung capacity, which is the total amount of air that your lungs can hold. So take a breath right now and you feel the air going in and your lungs filling, right? And then when you exhale, you feel the air going out. Now that total volume of air that you took in, that's your lung capacity. So we're going to explore a little bit more about lung capacity, and then I'm going to guide you in two practices that can really help you increase your lung capacity over time. The lungs themselves actually don't have any muscles, really. Muscles are around the lungs that help them to fill and empty, but the lungs themselves are thin sheeting material that have capillaries and air sacs, and it's a place of gas exchange and the musculature around the lungs is what helps them to function. So we're going to get into how to strengthen those. But first, I want to share a few stats with you. Now, these were shocking to me. Research shows that the average person reaches peak respiratory function in their mid 20s. Not only do we lose muscle mass as we get older, but we also lose breathing capacity by 10 to 27% every decade of life. When I read that, my mouth just dropped. You know, being in my midlife, I realized that since my 20s, I could have lost up to 50% of my lung capacity already. So that really made me open my eyes and 
It's really no joke losing lung capacity because our lungs fuel so much of our uh, physiological function. The good news is that for me, since I've been doing breath practices and techniques for several decades, my lung capacity is pretty high and yours can be too. No matter what your age, stage, health condition, you can improve your lung capacity. The lungs are incredibly resilient. Our body is so receptive to healing. It wants to heal. It wants to be living at its optimal potential. So there are practices that can help you. I remember the wake-up call I had around my breath capacity. So let me share this story with you. I remember being on a two-year-long advanced teacher training and we would meet for 15 days and then take six months to go off and do our practices and then come back. And this was the section on breath work and pranayama. And a prominent well-known yoga therapist, Gary Kraftsau, was leading this practice. And this particular exercise or exploration was called threshold breathing. And basically we would sit and count the length of our breath in seconds for 10 consecutive breath cycles. We would extend our breath cycles as long as we could just to explore what that was like. And I was stunned at my very, very low average. At the end of 10 breaths, my average was something like 15 seconds, meaning I probably had something like a seven second inhale and an eight second exhale or something like that. But it, the key is really being able to sustain that for 10 breaths because really anybody could take a 15 second breath. But can you do that for 10 consecutive breaths? Well, at the time um, when I was taking this advanced training, I was a new mom. I wasn't sleeping well. I was sitting on a mountain of anxiety and stress because my marriage was falling apart. And that definitely impacted my breathing capacity. But I also came into this with just so many breathing issues that I was completely unaware of until this training. So that was a huge wake-up call for me, that my breath capacity wasn't anywhere near what I thought it was, and my emotional state wasn't good either, (laughs) and that was really apparent. So later on, you know, as I practiced, my capacity increased so much, but it's because I started doing these breath techniques and really looking at ways to increase my breath capacity. BKS Iyengar, a well-known yoga master from India, he demonstrated a 60-second breath in front of a hall filled with hundreds of people. He also lived to be 95 years old despite having a ton of health issues throughout his childhood like multiple bouts of typhoid and malaria and tuberculosis and all kinds of things. Well, he did a lot of asana as well, or yoga postures, but he worked steadily with the breath for decades, and his long life is really attributed to his yoga and his breathing practice. It turns out that most of us don't even know that our breath capacity is low. I sure didn't, and that it gets steadily worse with age. We don't focus on breathing capacity, and really neither do our doctors, You know, on a typical doctor visit, they might weigh you, they might take your blood pressure, they might take your temperature and listen to your heartbeat. So 
I was wondering, like, why don't they check your breathing? How well you're breathing? Are you using your diaphragm? It's so important. It really surprises me that they don't check this when you go in for a visit. People go see their doctors, you know, and they complain of things like heart palpitations or migraines, insomnia, uh, maybe that they're under, you know, a certain amount of stress or they're having pain in their body. So why don't doctors teach us how to breathe better, which really helps every single medical condition out there? Instead, you know, they write things, uh, prescriptions out and for pills and the pills have side effects and then those side effects can be remedied with more pills and you just get down this kind of rabbit hole of Western medicine and it's not a bad thing. We need it when we need it. But why don't doctors really lean on more of this mountain of breath research that's out there now that proves breathing techniques can really help. Our modern way of life is really fueled by stress, as we know, and it's changing our breath and negatively impacting our health and making our lives shorter, but it doesn't have to. Clinical studies show that everyone can greatly improve their breathing, in particular breath capacity, which is what we'll work on today. There are things that we can do to repattern and rewire our breathing so that we can live longer and enjoy a higher quality of life and get to hug our grandchildren if that's one of our goals. What helps increase our breath capacity? So today I'm going to guide you in two breathing techniques and that will help you increase your lung capacity and live longer. The American Lung Association and so many other researchers say that deep breathing is really the key and deep breathing means you're using your diaphragm it also supports circulation of our blood to our tissues and our organs and improves digestion you may have heard it called belly breathing but it's anatomically incorrect so instead of belly breathing let's call it diaphragmatic breathing it really is the diaphragm that is the prime mover in proper breathing. Throughout our day, most of us are not diaphragmatically breathing. We're breathing using our chest and unconscious breathing is usually chest breathing for most of us. And because of that, our diaphragm is typically tight and weak and we need to strengthen and stretch it. So like any muscle, if you don't use it, you'll lose it. And this is why our lung capacity can decrease as much as 27% per decade of life. So let's change that. The diaphragm is a thin sheet of muscle and it's shaped like a dome in the center of the torso. It sits below your lower ribs and above your belly. And if you take your fingers, you can probably feel into it. Um, you just take the finger pads and you run them along your lower ribs towards your outer ribs and back towards your back ribs and right underneath there is the sheeting muscle when it contracts it goes down and a lot of people get this reverse so when it contracts it actually goes down and it flattens and that's when you inhale that creates a vacuum in the lungs and it pulls the air into your lungs 
Then you exhale and the diaphragm goes up and arches and it pushes the air out of the lungs. Now let's say your diaphragm was more locked in place. Go ahead and tighten your belly. Tighten your belly and then try to take a breath. And this tension is really causing the diaphragm to be immobilized. So something has to be fueling the breath. And if the diaphragm's not working, then that means our chest muscles, our shoulders, our neck muscles are tensing in order to pull the air in. And that's not really a healthy way to breathe. Everyone can get better at working the diaphragm. Whether you've done this a hundred times or you're totally new to this, it doesn't matter. Everyone can either start now or refine their practice using the diaphragm. After we practice the diaphragmatic breathing, um, we'll go into a second practice. We're gonna do a slight breath hold after the inhale. And this will help exercise the diaphragm because you're holding it down in a contracted state. And we'll do that very short breath hold and we'll increase it incrementally. And if you're concerned about any health conditions, then please check with your doctor before doing any of these breathing exercises. Breath practice two is diaphragmatic breathing and breath holds after inhale. Sit up nice and tall and make sure that you're able to keep a nice tall spine. If you have hip or low back issues, you can sit in a chair and you could even do this lying down if you're more comfortable. Close your eyes. and begin to notice your breath. Start every breath practice with noticing your natural breath and really accepting with open arms exactly where you are. Is your breath shallow or deep? Is your belly tense or fluid? Is your breath choppy or smooth? Now place your hands on your lower ribs, somewhere comfortable. You could use one or both hands. And notice how your lower ribs go out when you inhale. How much do you feel the lower ribs going out? A little or a lot, or even not at all? When you inhale, the diaphragm goes down and it spreads. And this is when it's contracting. When you exhale, think of softening your belly even more in the diaphragm, releasing upward, pushing the air gently out of the lungs.
Inhale, the diaphragm contracts. It goes down and flattens. Exhale, the diaphragm goes up. Soften into the breath. Enjoy the breath. You can also think of the diaphragm as a jellyfish. If you've ever seen a jellyfish float effortlessly through the water. Their body domes and arches. So feel how your diaphragm is free to move. and encourage it to be fluid like a jellyfish. As you exercise the diaphragm, Continue to soften the neck, the face, the shoulders. And keep your awareness on the midsection of your torso and the movement that you feel when you breathe. Take a few more diaphragmatic breaths and know that over time, your lung capacity will improve. Next, we're gonna go into the breath hold after the inhale. So this is breath exercise number two. Make sure that you're able to stay pretty calm and relaxed on the breath hold and don't force the breath. Just take your time with it. When you hold the breath, act as if you're continuing to inhale, but you're just not taking any more air in. That's really the trick in breath holds that you don't just stop the breath abruptly, but that you imagine that you're still expanding. So let's try it. Close your eyes, lengthen your spine, relax your shoulders. Take a nice inhalation and visualize the diaphragm going down and contracting. And then hold the breath one, two, three, and release it. 
We're going to do it again as you inhale. And hold the breath. One, two, three, and exhale. Now I want you to explore this at your own pace and try doing the three second hold. If that feels easy to you, then bump it up to four, five, or six. The key is that you do this comfortably and easily. While you're holding the breath in, keep the rib cage expanded, but keep your shoulders relaxed. You can do this for a total of 10 to 12 breaths or whatever feels most comfortable to you. So try a couple more breaths with a gentle hold after inhale. As you hold the breath in, think of expanding, really reaching your potential. When you inhale, you can think of a flower opening and blossoming. And then you hold that flower open as if you were smelling the most beautiful flower. We want breathing to be a pleasurable experience. We want it to be nourishing we don't want it to be breath work. We want it to be breath pleasure, where we enjoy expanding our breath and really coming into ourselves fully. Now one more breath here, and then you can slowly release the breathing technique altogether.
Notice how you feel physically, emotionally, mentally. This is the true marker. No matter what science says, in the end, it's really, how are you? If you want, you can write a few words down in your breath journal and track your progress. Tracking your breathing practice is a great way to see your patterns and to celebrate your accomplishments in your breath practice. And you can do it anywhere, anytime, morning, noon, or night. You can pull over on the side of the road and even do it in your car. You can do it in the office, just close the door and do your five minutes of breathing. And I guarantee it will start to change your life. Thank you all for tuning in to today's practice. And a special thanks to Bodhi Sechko for providing the music to our breathing session. If you'd like to know more about the breathwork and go a little deeper, visit SiennaSmith.com. I lead three-day intensives, 21-day breath challenges, and I work with people one-on-one to improve their quantity and their quality of life through breathing. Also, share this with your friends or anyone who you feel may benefit from this work. Everyone, I hope you breathe better, and I'll see you next time.